I mean, before we get to, you know, obviously the the big news. Yeah. The big news this uh, week. You know, I want to talk about hummus. Yeah, I do too. Because I noticed you had what I like to call a small tub of holy hummus. Or, you know, like an appetizer size. Yeah, I know you really like that one. Well, I got some news for <clears> you, And pal. I could polish... Well, before you say that, I just want to say I could polish that off with a, with a bag of almond thin crackers okay. in about 20 to 40 seconds. You know, like a stone wheat thin guy? That's wheat. I like the almond thin ones because it's not Trisket. like so bready so you can just pound, pound the hummus. It's just a vehicle. It's just like a vehicle. A vessel. A vessel yeah. to get it in your mouth. Yeah. I like a snap pea. Yeah. Oh, sure. A carrot. Mini carrot. Mini carrot. Baby carrot. Some pita is nice if I'm feeling well, a little... Well, you know I go to Parthenon, which is a kind of Greek-style place. Uh-huh. And I get the hummus there. Honestly, you know, I actually have been making my own Palestinian-style hummus in solidarity. That's cool. Uh, so, you know, that there's that as well. I, I like with that, you know, you kind of almost put like an oil kind of ch- uh, a crushed pet chili on top. I've had it. It's delicious. You've yeah. made it. But something about and Alex, Alex will make hummus sometimes too. I haven't, I haven't tried. I should. Cause, and she's tried to, to get the holy hummus style. It's a lot of garlic flavor. Yeah. A whole lot of garlic. And she hasn't quite nailed it. Right. I don't know what it is. There's something about the recipe. Well, you know. It's all the ingredients are there. Well, there's only a few things that go in. I know, but that's it's how much. Well, that's how you do. That's and it's the thing. thicker. I think there's less. See, I like the. I like it wet. You like it creamy. Kinda. Wet, not creamy, just oily. I think. But what about like? Yeah, yeah. I don't mind if it falls off the bread. Yeah, this I'll is, tell you what. I'd put that on a sandwich. Well, you know what? I spread often it on do. a sandwich. Spread them, pal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, 100%. I was, I was just down at Fufu. Uh, oh, the, the or some, so down Instagram the, food place? A few blocks away here somewhere. It was a, kind of a, it's called that. And I don't know what was going on, but there was, a, there was a lot of people in there eating. Yeah. And nobody working. Well, they don't really, I don't really know what the food is in there. It's like pancakes, but it's all like, it's a... It's for Instagramming. All the food's like Instagrammable. Okay. I don't think it's like really even a restaurant. I was looking around for like a camera crew because I oh, thought they were kind just of filming a-, a movie in there and they like the angle, they didn't need anybody behind the counter. See, yeah. I just wanted to get a coffee and it seemed impossible. Well, it's a goddamn impossible. And then way someone of emerged life. and sold me one from the shadows from behind sort of Johnny Depp. from behind the counter. Amp. Yeah. New Clapton tonight. What does well. that mean? <laughs> New single coming out. New Clapton tonight in my coffee. He's got New Clapton tonight in my cream. Ooh. Nice. He's got a new single coming out tonight. Videos going up. It's, uh, the song is called This Has Gotta Stop. No way. Yeah. Do you want me to read some of the lyrics to you? Respect, dude. You know? He's ste- he's stepping out. I was, on, I was on his Instagram <laughs> and people are just like, not some, not more of this anti-vax He's bullshit. He's losing beds by the second. Yeah, I know. I got some lyrics here. I, it was kind of hard to find because, you know, it's not out till tomorrow. Lyrics, though. This has got to stop. Enough is enough. I can't take this BS any longer. Wow. He should have just said bullshit. It's gone far enough. If you want to claim my soul, you'll have to come and break down this door. 
I knew that something was going on wrong when you started laying down the law. Is this, are we sure this is about the vaccine and COVID-19 related? Because it, maybe it's the devil finally coming to claim his Could soul. Be. Yeah. For, for him being able to play mediocre blues. I actually uh, thought it was, Luke, mm. friend of the pod. Mm-hmm. Who knows, having a really tough time with this Charlie Watts stuff. Well, you know something about Luke? I will say this to his credit. He's a very sensitive man, and I he takes rock and roll losses hard. Yeah, he does, yeah. Um, well, he's, he's out there playing five nights a week. If anyone's kind of ready to step up in a Keith's shoes, it's, well, that's, it's Luke. That's kind of what I meant about when I said I don't actually respect Clapton's stance on this, but I'm kind of like, you know what? Stop talking about it and get out there and do it like Luke. Yeah, exactly. Enough writing songs about it. Why don't you get out on the stage out and there. prove it? Down Go toe-to-toe. Coyotes. Open stage oh, night. Yeah, this Settle Thursday. This. Settle it on the stage. Get Solo. On, get on down to Break Room 86. I know, I've heard in it. In Koreatown yeah. and settle it on the stage. With try and, first of all, you're going to have to try and find your way to the stage. I mean, <laughs> through a vending machine or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not easy. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, you're going to have to sidle up next to Jimmy Sweet there and try to go toe-to-toe with Paquin. Good luck. I mean, luckily, it's a synth-heavy kind of scene there. Mm-hmm. It's not the kind of 70s kind of good time. Not to mention Thomas. You know, Clapton would kind of be outmatched on either side on that stage, Triple in my opinion. Attack. Yeah, that could be the end of it for him. If he, he kind of was embarrassed and showed up in that place yeah. on a Tuesday night. Yeah. And somebody had a camera rolling? Yeah. That's it. Done. He, but of course, as Luke said, Clapton would never take the risk. No. And put himself in that position. No. Exactly. As we know, even when he went toe-to-toe with Robbie Robertson, he had the whole strap thing planned. Excuse planned. Yeah. So that he'd have a chance to... Yeah. Or no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's... <laughs> well, you know what I'm Well, talking. maybe it is like a kind of... Russian espionage move. Yeah, because it's like, oh, I couldn't. I didn't finish. have a chance. Yeah. Like my I, exactly. fucking strap broke. Yeah, you call like, that a? I didn't even get. I was just getting started. Yeah, I mean, I had and I had a lot of respect for Muddy. He had to come on stage. I don't want to get. Plus, I had to sing. Yeah, Robbie's just sitting there waiting to jump in and he's all vaselined up. Yeah, exactly. You he's know? basically set up the whole storyboarded the whole event maybe with marty it was the vaseline from his chest that got greased up clapton's <laughs> knob yeah his, his uh strap, strap knob strap knob you know i mean you're saying that robbie robertson's vaseline chest. greased up clapton's knob i think it's possible you know i've seen stranger things happen but um i wanted to sh- make a shout out to luke for a different reason because uh-huh. And this is kind of Clapton adjacent, partial lineage for sure. Um, you know, we've talked a lot on this podcast about Spotify being the only kind of arbiter of success. Yeah. And the only way you can judge anything musical. And on those terms, Clapton wrote I Shot the Sheriff. Really? Because it's bigger on Spotify than Marley. Well, he certainly did the greatest version. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's you can't proven. deny that's that. That's been proven. It's proven. So, I thought that was that's interesting. amazing news. Well, I it's didn't interesting know that. because it's the. F- I think that's maybe the first instance of what we will see happening with Stamos Depp. It's that kind of thing where it's like when the Hollywood Vampires version of Heroes is yeah. bigger than. Is the- it not already? Surprisingly, not. Huh. Yeah, I, I guess know. people are still into Bowie. 
Get over it, you know? Well, also, like... The vampires, as I said, they're doing it. They're out there. They're out there. This is going on in real time. With great merch. You can get, like, a Hollywood vampire's, like, thong. Yeah. That's kind of a... That's very Depp style. Oh, totally. You probably get, like, a... uh, Like, maybe, like, a... Some kind of golf. Like, maybe they do, like, a... A visor. Probably a visor. I would get that. Yeah. A Hollywood vampire's I would visor. like that. Yeah. I would, I'm going to order. I'm going to check if there is. Well, what about signature golf balls? Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Foo-foo. Foo. Cool. It would have to be like kind of purple cool. or something glow in the dark. No, kinda. it's more kind of... Because it's the strip, so it's like sleazy, like dice and Jack Daniels and stuff. Right. Anyway, yeah, Foo-foo. So uh, the name of this restaurant reminded me that you had an interesting story from your weekend oh yeah i saw sophie's father who's a jazz guy Uh uh-huh and i recounted your story of fufu the drummer to him hanging with coltrane hanging out with miles and being like damn i nearly knocked that motherfucker (laughs) out yeah player and then uh with um train being like he's cool he was cool and uh i asked uh, sophie's dad about and he was like Who's this fucking motherfucker? <laughs> and I was like, told him his name. He's like, that guy's never played a fucking note with those guys. Wow. He's like, that guy's never played a fucking note with them. Hot He's take. making up. I know every drummer that's played with those guys. And he like knew his real name, right? Yeah. He was just like, that guy's. Clifton Eddie. Yeah. I've looked up Clifton Eddie. I didn't look up whether it's true or not, but. It's a good story though. And that's all that matters. Well, what I say is shots fired. You know, I, some of these old jazz guys, I, I think, honestly, Sophie's dad and Fufu might have to settle it on the stage. Yeah, I mean, it would be kind of like drum solo to sax. I'd love to see I'd that. I'd love to see that. Mm-hmm. You know or what? just like get together, jam it out, put some sounds together. Seriously. Kind of like more of a, th- like a therapeutic. Oh, You know, why do we always have to settle it on the stage? Let's get together. Make something. Pick, Let's put, put some, something together. Put some sounds together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of, yeah. Create out of the friction. Create something new. When that's the only way things do get created. Yeah. When you build, when you put a, put up a building, you have to first, dip, you know, blow Just, up the ground. <laughs> you know, yeah. d- demolish, you like call yeah. it the foundation. Demolish. You, know, you blow it, sort of blasting. Blasting leads to building. Revolution, not evolution. Exactly. Yeah. Um, shout out to a couple I was what was the last episode that we did it was like this <laughs> but was it on any I, I don't remember we, we just we just really had a good time a lot time going on we we just chat there was a lot of interesting uh, in, messages from sent, yeah. our patrons I think that we talked a lot about well I'm not even going to try to remember I don't remember but Trevor Spencer um, friend good, of the great, pod great, great friend of mine got in touch with us as well particularly interested in the sort of mayor strat mayor kind of Knopfler, clapton kale strat thing uh-huh. and a little bit of intel in with regards to mayor's small guitar oh he would know about yeah this. he said talking guitars here i'm pretty sure mayor is playing a casio midi guitar only because someone left one at my studio wow so it's kind of is like a kind of rock Get rock band style the, 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 thing. The headstock, I actually thought I recognized the yeah. sigil. Or, oh, or, yeah, or yeah. The, And it's Casio, I think. Yeah, maybe. I think it's a Casio MIDI guitar. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. So. so that if it's MIDI, then quite 
honestly, yeah, it could be ro- going through GarageBand. Well, I assume that's what he's and doing. And being controlled, you know, off stage or off stage or like in like a lab. Yeah, or in switching like a kind of amps, data switching bank tones. in like Lapland, you know, where it's really cold because presumably he needs a lot of algorithms, a lot of a lot of hard drives. Yeah, would need he would definitely need a lot of different tones in during a show. Well, if it's MIDI, I'd like to check out the tour. Honestly, is it coming through A lot through of processing power. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're talking like deep blue, right? Wild blue. Yeah, maybe it's a sign. He's talking about, like, he's got one of those old chess-style computers. Seamlessly switch. It plays itself. I don't know. Paul Hawley, uh, friend of the pod. Yeah. Uh, good drummer. Yeah, good drummer. He wrote me and said, check out this Coldplay song okay. that, that Wild Blue is a, is a direct ripoff of from Parachutes. Oh. It, 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 it's it, the chord, it's that one bone sink and likes don't. The chord oh, yeah. progression is oh, the same. Is Sounds very similar. Love that song, yeah. Sounds very similar. Not an identical rip, but uh, I appreciate it. Was that the Coldplay record that they all dressed like Magical Mystery Tour Beatles? I oh, sorry, Sergeant Pepper's I think that's ones. the one, the, the first one. Oh, isn't it? Like it's with, earlier. With yellow and It's all not that. when they haven't. But it's interesting because you bring up um, songs sounding like other songs because you sent me that. Um, yeah. Olivia Rodriguez, has, who's a, a young female pop star, is very successful right now. I think she's a Disney, uh, one of the Disney kind of impresarios. Yeah. She was criticized by the, the establishment journalists yeah. of copying other bands' songs. Yeah. And including, and I think I'm just going to pull this up because I really like this when you sent it to me. I loved and it. I know you did too. It cheered me up. Um, yeah. So the article headline reads, Olivia Rodrigo accused of plagiarism by Courtney Love and others. Of course, Courtney Love. Yeah, that makes sense. Just trying to stay relevant with like some young woman who is like stealing her limelight or something. I don't even know. And then this guy, whoever it is, tweeted, no shit. First song on this album is pretty much a direct lift from Elvis Costello. To which Elvis Costello responded, This is fine by me, Billy. It's how rock and roll works. You take the broken pieces of another thrill and make a brand new toy. That's what I did. And then he hashtags, and I think this is where it gets interesting, Mm -hmm. subterranean homesick blues, and then hashtags too much monkey business. So, I mean, you can read. I kind of read it wrong, and I think you know what that means. Well, yeah, I mean, I read it as though he was saying, take a look at those two songs and how Dylan... It was pretty clearly influenced by too much monkey business sure. in the delivery, you know. Yeah. I'm trying to think out, you know, John is in the basement looking mm-hmm. up the medicine, mm-hmm. too much monkey business. Yeah. And then session of the dollar gas, check the oil, tell the dollar gas. Now. It's, and it's then I was thinking of, about pump it up. Running to and fro, hard working in the mill, never fail at the mill. Sorry, I just had to make sure I knew how that went. So I'm thinking that that, anyway, it makes me think... What is with all these fucking rock and roll, oh, like these classic rock stars suing? Some of them, not Elvis. Well, cool obviously Elvis. Elvis won't do it, but like the you know, yeah. I, I was and I was thinking about like obviously some of the most famous ones, mm-hmm. like Bittersweet Symphony, like Jagger and Richards. Wasn't that more Andrew Lou Goldham's kind of okay so championing that? Like, 
when the Verve's record label tried to clear a sample from their already completed album, Urban Hymns, the Stones' late business manager, Alan Klein, Ooh. took the opportunity to negotiate, <laughs> quote, Shredder! One final kill on behalf of the band. Wow. <laughs> That's heavy. So, yeah, Klein just apparently just wanted to discourage anyone ever using samples, ever. So went after them, and this was all resolved after he died. Interesting. The new Stones manager resolved it. But I'm sure, like, they're still, they made millions. and Like, Jagger and Rich is being like, oh, yeah, he's, you know, well, that sounds, sounds all right, actually. I can't, I, I have no doubt. I know, and it's weird when it's people, like, you were talking about Tom Petty. Yeah. And uh, well, when- Petty's really interesting because he kind of did this, like, you know, like, he, Sam Smith's song, Stay With Me or whatever, mm-hmm. like, that sounded a bit like I Won't Back Down. And they do, like, in the sense that they're both songs sound the same. Yeah, with a melody. Yeah, with three chords. Like, yeah, with three chords. Yeah. And they, like, and it's like... Three note melody over the chord. And the thing that's, I think's annoying about the Tom Petty one is that he kind of said, like, there's no hard feelings. Uh, These things happen. Like, me and Sam have talked about it and dealt with it. Most times you catch this before it gets out the studio door, but in this case it got by. But it's like, you still fucking took royalties from him. Uh-huh. And only so that, like, Sam Smith only did it so you wouldn't litigate his ass. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Like, he kind of comes off as this cool guy. But it's like, dude, you literally, your whole career started you doing Dylan and, like, old 45s. Like, R&B 45s. It's brutal. <clears throat> it's just, I just, I just don't think. I mean, there are some cases, you know, like in the case of, I'd say... There's a couple of Zeppelin cases that were pretty bad. Yeah. Where they like... Just ripped... The Stairway to Heaven ones... They kind of nicked us It's like called Stairway to Heaven, the song. And like the riff's the same. Yeah. It's like if you... But like if you're just... I mean, it's so... What Elvis said is so true. Like that's how it works. There's 12 notes. There's chords. Melodies are in the air. Like I I think I saw a thing that like a computer realized that there's no new... They've all been used. Every melody. Like combination... Or something. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. Like, in the case of those old, like, bands like Beatles, Stones, Patty, whatever, they were all nicking from... Of course. And you got these documentaries where they're saying that's what they were doing. Yeah. Yet, Tom Petty will, like, there's some kind of borderline copyright allegation. I know. And ruthless, cutthroat businessmen suing a guy for writing a song which has, like... (laughs) four words in it or something i don't know i was always glad that dylan didn't coming out with his team being like hey listen i'm a cool guy we sorted it out just shouldn't have got in the papers you know know, he just he 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 we settled out of court it that's exactly what happened eight million whatever whatever he's a good guy and sam smith's like said like i've never heard of tom petty before (laughs) like i don't know i don't know who this guy is yeah 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 Yeah. and it's funny because sam smith ended up getting like a grammy nomination for that song Mm mm-hmm and they, the Grammys are probably so used to this because of like Blurred Lines, Marvin Gaye as oh, well, yeah. Robin Thicke, like, and Bittersweet Symphony, which was like the Grammy was going to be given to Jagger and Richards, you know, like, so now they've had to change what they're doing. So it's like, 
their new rules are like, oh, like, because Petty and Mike Campbell didn't do any new writing for this Sam Smith song, we can give the Grammy to Sam Smith. <laughs> it's like how Springsteen still wins a Grammy every year. Yeah. Every single year, best rock album. It's like he released a record. They just find ways to give him a record. He owns the ground. They all these guys. They and they're just writing. They're just ripping off themselves. See, it's a fine line. Well, if you're just ripping, if you're just stealing from your own catalog, you see. Well, unless you're John Fogerty. All right. He, he can't, can't even steal from himself. <laughs> he couldn't even do no. his own. So yeah, he's not even allowed to. Oh yeah, because he—that's right. He got sued for doing a song like "Run <laughs> the Jungle." That's just talk brutal. about an impossible. Too way of much life. perspective. That's no, brutal. that is impossible way of life. That's brutal. But there's also Radiohead and Lana Del Rey. What did she? Well, do this or one gets do? really complicated. So Radiohead, <laughs> Radiohead. I could tell you what they ripped off right after this. Well, Radiohead was suing her for a song that she had called Get Free that sounded like their song Creep. And this one's really good because The Guardian spoke to a professional composer to analyze the songs. I mean, all this shit is just... You could, you know, some guys like, oh, I can, I can analyze them. It's my job. You know, I'm a professional. <laughs> not a musician. Not a musician. Yeah. Who noted that the chords used were rare in pop... Rare chords. In pop music. I was just about to say that creep progression is like so generic. Like, well, no, apparently it's a rare chord <laughs> that she used. It's like G to E or something. Yeah, it sounds like a Sinatra song or something. Like a dark yeah. kind of. Yeah, I know what I mean. It's got that kind of like haunting progression. Yeah. Baroque. But I've heard it before. Well, this is where it gets interesting. So I guess Radiohead sued Baroque. her. So the Hollies sued them. Because they did it. Yeah, because the whole yeah. is like, this is a song, The Air That I Breathe. We yeah, already it wrote is. it. That's, what, that's where I've heard it. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking. I was like, my brain was working. I was like, what is it? Yeah, yeah. That's it. It's crazy. So there's always these people who can just do it. I like that, though. If I could make a wish, I think I know. And that's probably Sinatra. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. A, you know. It's a joke. You can't ugh, give people a break. Honestly. But this is the thing. These I even guys thought won. like. They won't give anyone a break. I even thought like when 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 rap was sampling, that was all good. That was so cool, you know, like in the eighties. Two live crew and things like that. Beastie Boys, like you know, or the Run Grey DMC. album, famously Danger Mouse, the Jay Z and I th- I Beatles record. I thought that record. was sweet. Yeah, like, just let it go. Like you'd think that McCartney would be cool with that kind of stuff, but he's not. He's not cool with anything, is he? Has he done this? Well, well you, you try, yeah, try you to try, rip off a Beatles. Try get near that stuff. Speaking of which, I might try. Let it be new mixes. <laughs> another is this another example of McCartney? So these are coming out ten days before the Peter Jackson. Okay, McCartney's definitely got a thing for Let It Be. Yeah, because he's already remixed it once. He's already done that. It's a bittersweet symphony for him, and. Now he's going to, there's another version of it coming out just before Peter Jackson's Get Back. I guess it's to prep you for Get Back, maybe. And let me, let me guess, Giles Martin has remixed it? Well, listen, man, <laughs> I, this shit cracked me up. So Giles Martin, And Danny Harrison, they're teaming up yeah. to remix it? Giles cool. Martin, son of George Martin. Yeah. And I found this article, and fucking, hang on one second, I got to get it. This shit is wild 
I'm just going to get it. Rolling Stone's doing their paywall thing on me. So I'm just, I got to do my little hack here where I just open it and then turn it off. Okay. So I could do 45 minutes on this because yes. this made me laugh so much. So Giles Martin is remixing Let It Be. He's uh-huh. already remixed a couple of Beatles records yeah. in Dolby Atmos. So this is some kind of spatial surround sound, but it sounds as though from reading this Rolling Stone article with him that he's just learning on the job. Like he's never mixed anything before and he's learning just using Beatles albums. Because listen to this. (laughs) Sergeant Peppers is a question for him. Sergeant Peppers was the first Atmos mix you did. What was the process like? And he says... And this has been released. He's like, Sergeant Peppers, well, I'm actually going to change it. It doesn't sound right to me. It's actually out on Apple Music, but I'm going to replace it. It's not right. So he's just like putting out (laughs) mixes of Sergeant Peppers only to like be like, oh, I've got better at it now. It's like, imagine if you and I were like doing mixes for a man, but like just releasing every No, I know. He's being like, how's this sound? Yeah, that's what he's doing. He's like, hey guys, I put it out on Apple. If it doesn't sound right, I'll just do it. But with Sergeant Peppers. (laughs) fucking Beatles. He says here, he's like, He's like, Sergeant Peppers is a theat. I did a theatrical mix. It's a bit bright and a bit digital, but I'm going to replace it. So that's cool. <laughs> He's that's replacing Sergeant Peppers with his just like kind of. Wow. Well, he's like learning how to mix. And he's the just goal. like. It's, and then it goes on. And then the person says to him, Abbey Road does sound a bit better, actually. Yeah. There's something a little floaty about the way Sergeant Pepper's your mix is. And he's like, yeah, it seems to lack a bit of bass and a little bit of weight behind it. <laughs> Abbey Road is a much better functioning mix. Uh, it's closer to the stereo mix sonically. But I'm, I'm cool with it because I'm just going to replace Sergeant Pepper's. So this just keeps going. I, I tell you, I, I listened to that when that, I remember that when that Abbey Road remix came out a couple years ago that yeah. he did. Sergeant Pepper's. Oh, but he did Abbey Road too. Oh, recently. he did Abbey Road, but in Atmos two years ago. What's it, they Atmos? put out like a fiftieth anniversary. I'm sure he did that okay. remix. Yeah, and it did not sound better at all. Well, it's, it's hard very to interesting top that mix. because the person asking him questions doesn't understand. They, no one, I think, understands what this stuff is. They turn. Remember, didn't they do a White Album? I think, it, but yeah, and we. T- I think we talked about this. Is where the now we're getting near a hundred episodes is starting to yeah. happen. But I think we talked about this, and we were like, we listened to it, and it was like he turned down the guitar solo, and while my guitar gently weeps, <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, who do you think you are to turn down anything like that? You know. Well, it's, it's interesting because he's asked here um, about his mixing process, like oh, you great. know his mix process. I'd love to with, hear that. You know, mm. um, I presume you start with one channel, the right, and then move to the left. And he's like, well, actually, I start off in stereo. Um, if it's EDM, obviously, I'll do something like that because it's more in mono. But uh, with the Beatles, it's a bit different. Like, <laughs> Oh, my God. That's, he also a, talks, that's all he does is EDM and Beatles? Yeah. Amazing. Um, let me find this a really good bit. He moves the organ in She's So Heavy, which is cool. But oh, yeah, this is a good question. That's right. See? I've heard yeah. some Atmos mixes of classic songs where the vocal is a bit more upfront than it ever was before. And you suddenly realize the vocalist was actually pitchy that day. And it exposed, Atmos can expose flaws. So how do you avoid that? Motherfuckers tuning the vocals. 
Well, you know, it's a bit like we, you know, if so, we can fix timing errors and tuning stuff like that. And um, he's you tuning. Know, we trust. Yeah, he's tuning up the Beatles vocals for his Atmos mixes. <laughs> Dude, this just, is a hot take, yeah. man. And then he's like, um, <clears throat> we tend to blend the sound, so it's more like a Monet painting than the Beatles expected. But music's like that, you know. When you have a drum kit or a singer in front of you, you don't necessarily hear them directly like that. You hear something together in space. So it's pretty I hate this guy. Let me tell you one thing. <laughs> you can do whatever you want if you're making new music. Tune yeah. it up. Do it, But yeah. don't fuck with fucking don't Beatles. Don't tune up don't John. Don't tune up John's His body's not even cold, No, man. you can't. No. You can't. Just let it let it let be. him be. <laughs> let, let it be. be. Seriously. Seriously. Well, one of his issues, he's start finding... tuning up like Elvis and... Stuff, presumably. Like Sam Cooke records. Well, he's... He, listen... He, he, uh, good luck. Yeah. Giles, uh, Giles Martin has a lot of interesting stuff coming because one of the only reasons he's not approached... And he's been asked by a lot of people to do this. He makes it known. I bet he, Revolver he's do- or Rubber Soul. One of the issues is that there isn't enough. The technology's not there yet because what he needs is source <laughs> separation software. So oh, he no. needs all For the bounce track. He needs oh. the bounce tracks to be able to be split back up. A good example of this is he's taken out Stop. Stop it, the crowd dude. noise in some stuff because it's like it gets in the way of the performance. So yeah, he's waiting. His issue he's is waiting that, so that he can take those like four track mixes and split up all the tracks. Well, like I'll give you an example. And take here. away all the charm and character. Well, it, like yeah, like for example, like on the Hollywood Bowl, like live at the Hollywood Bowl, Beatles um, Atmos that he did. Okay. He took out the crowd noise because there was source separation technology to take it out. Yeah. Um, you know, so he needs to make sure like that that technology doesn't harm the audio. And again, he says here, you know, despite the constant requests I get on Twitter to do Revolver and Rubber Soul, I just want to make sure that I benefit the songs. Why would anybody think that's a good idea? Like, well, I, I don't I really don't dad's get George Martin. To change the, the music. Like, I don't get that. Let's separate all the instruments and then make it sound totally different. Like, because the works, this work's revolver. never done. But it wasn't meant to be done. It's, this it's, work is never done. Giles, I bet you they're gonna get him to do like Dark Side or something. Not they're all. There's too many of them are alive. I guess, yeah. That it, that does feel like an Atmos it's, record it's for Ab, sure. It's, it's Abbey Road. Like he's the guy at Abbey Road now. He's like running. No, the show. I know. Yeah. So what he's doing is he's like getting John's vocal playing it through like a loudspeaker into like studio two to hear what it would have sounded like if like john had studio two's ambience on him instead of it's stuff like that they got it all wired up with atmos now yeah well that's the only way to mix i mean i've got to spend about four hundred thousand dollars on a whole new setup (laughs) you know can you just get some like atmos headphones can i do well you know it's interesting you bring that up because he, he he talks specifically about um Atmos experience on headphones because like there's actually an exponential growth in the technology and demand for spatial audio headphones. So he says in two years his mixes will be able to be listened to like on Spotify, etc. Like in Atmos. Oh, meaning like 
I don't know you how can, you would do that. You can that. isolate things yourself or something? Like you were, maybe it's like a chip. It could be like a 5 And you could thing. just be like, let me just hear, like you touch your yeah. head like you're Professor Xavier and then yeah. you can just hear the bass. Exactly. On, or you can just be like revolver? Siri, Pam, organ right. You can mix it yourself maybe. Oh, kind of interactive mixing. Yeah, like, yeah. I think that's what the Beatles would have wanted. Yeah, that's how they want you that's, to hear yeah. it. Yeah. What would his dad think of this? That's what I want to know. I bet you all these articles are after George passed. Oh, yeah, big time. There's, There's no, no He'd be like, right, that's enough. That's enough from you. Yeah. That's enough, enough from, from you. Now, go go and speak to your mother. Yeah, exactly. But he, he, obviously, George Martin died, and he's like, took things over. Well, no one's really taken over the Beatles' legacy yet, because McCartney's too strong. So, he, like, Donnie's waiting. Donnie's tried with his dad. Yeah, like, well, he just did the whole All Things Must Pass remix. Yeah. I haven't listened to that yet. <laughs> I wonder if it's Him EDM. and, like, his buddy. It's yeah. like he, him and his buddy. buddy. Yeah, it's like him and his buddy. He's, like, got a studio in Burbank yeah. or something. He's like, yeah, me and, like, me and Trevor, like, yeah. remixed All Things Must Pass. Yeah. from Trevor from Space Hog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean Trevor. Uh, Spencer, he could do it. He I trust actually him. could do it. I trust him. With the tapes. 100%. He'd do a good job. Yeah. But I meant his buddy Trevor from Space Hog, who was the (laughs) rhythm guitarist. Yeah, yeah. exactly. (laughs) Space Yeah. (laughs) He's like, yeah, he's got a really nice setup over there. Yeah. Uh, Plus a great dealer. Right near the airport in Burbank. Yeah. Yeah. So I can fly in and out. Yeah, I can fly in and out. It's really easy for me. It's really easy to fly in and out from my And then we just, we just, you know, we order, we order some food and the two of us just kind of sit around. Just kind of geek out. And just like work on the, we put (laughs) a couple strings on Wawa. Yeah, we put a couple of the mixes up on Apple Music, but we think we're just going to take we're them gonna down. We're going to change them down. Yeah, yeah. You, you've probably it's a bit heard bright. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were doing a lot of EDM at the time. Yeah. So it's kind of just Mostly maybe. he was doing it in between some EDM Yeah, he was project. doing a lot of Tiesto. And I just, yeah. Well, we I, were spending the, the the summer in Ibiza that year. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of cross-pollination. And, you know, our brains were a little rewired from the whole Ibiza trip. So. Yeah, so. We're thinking. We that put it, four on the floor that we added to Eleanor Rigby just maybe didn't <laughs> quite pan out the way we thought it was going to yeah we're thinking the 50th anniversary sounded a little bright so we're, we'll fix it up put it up for the 51st yeah exactly what a joke yeah well you know um you know i want to get to charlie obviously um oh but, yeah i have a lot to say well i mean i was reading the uh i, I mean because the beatles 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 mm-hmm. i was reading the guardians mccartney 321 review oh wow view viewed it slightly differently to us is that right? Yeah. They said that Rubin is a genius. <laughs> and a few examples is the conversations between McCartney and got like a godlike Rubin, mm-hmm. like an Old Testament style god. Presumably it's because of the beard and stuff. No shoes. Took place at a recording studio mixing desk where Rubin, like God from Genesis, who has really let himself go created many new sound worlds. Here, Rubin did something even more amazing than that. He showed McCartney new aspects of his own creations. So this guy thinks that, like, Paul McCartney learnt, because he presumably didn't know how to use a record or, or remember recording any of the stuff himself. He says, Ruben played back while my guitar gently weeps. Oh, yeah. Then by shifting a few levers, 
Harrison's serenity was silenced and something (laughs) unexpected came to prominence in all of its glory. McCartney's superbly grungy bass. It was as miraculous as finding another picture beneath an old master. It's almost like these two songs are happening simultaneously, said Ruben. <laughs> wow. This guy's also... This isn't Pitchfork? It's no, gar- this, is, this is The Guardian. <laughs> this guy also thinks it's incredible that, like, Dear Prudence, McCartney Disclosed, was, you know, inspired by Mia Farrow and Maharashi and uh-huh, all stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, he said, who knew? Like, who knew any of this stuff? It's incredible. <laughs> Everybody. Every person. Who's ever? Also, I thought that well, my guitar gently weeps part was hilarious. That he was just like, huh, like is- no one would ever think it's two different songs to do this, and I was just like, it's really not. It's really just drumming and bass playing. The bass, the tone's cool. But, Great tone, but like it makes sense that they do it. I don't know. Listen, some nice castanets on that one. Oh yeah. Anyway, let me just tell a little story here. You know, because I was uh, I was over. Uh, in Victoria, <clears throat> when I heard about Charlie, and uh, uh, I was very sad to hear to hear th- he, that he'd passed. Yeah, and I spent the whole day listening to the Rolling Stones. Okay? okay, and I went for a, a big run, and I just put on you know Spotify. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, shuffle stones all the Stones music. Oh man, I was just almost on the verge of tears. Just got me so pumped. And I realized that a mere two to three days before I had announced your rankings on this podcast that the stones were not in my top your five. Your official ranking. And, and I it caused was, a bit of friction I felt, between I felt, us. I off, felt ashamed. Well, off mic, you know, we did, we settled it kind of on stage that night. We had to. You were you were upset with me, and you let me know, and uh, we dealt with that as friends and yeah. as colleagues. I and I defended my position foolishly, <laughs> and um, I went for a run, and I listened to this music, and I was ashamed of myself. Okay. I'd like to officially announce now that after revisiting the Stones catalog in such a visceral and yeah. emotional way, state, yeah, that they are now number five on my list, and Big Star has been bumped to six. Okay, I wow. had to do it in honor of Charlie. Because they're just fucking good. And I realize that, like, especially, like, like honky-tonkin' country stones when yeah. they're rocking out, it's just, like, my favorite thing. It's so good. So, so is Charlie Watts the stonesiest stone? I, I'm not so sure about that. Me neither. But probably. I don't know. Isn't Keith the stonesiest stone? I think so. You, I've talked about this before, that to me, the stones are a rhythm guitar and drums band. Like to me, Keith and Charlie, you could take everything else away, and I it'd be su- super listenable still. Yeah. Take for instance the intro to Honky Tonk Women and Can't You Hear Me Knocking before bass or anything comes in. Yeah, it's super fun to listen to. That's all you need. And Keith always said that he's like, when I had a riff, I'd get Charlie and get him in, and we'd work it. Well, out. I think it's a, about the way that they play together. Yeah. But I think there's almost an argument that Jagger's the most rhythmical of all of them. The way he sings too. So I think that like they're very rhythmical vocals. No doubt. You know. I just, I just mean that's that to me. The sound of the Stones is is well. He leads with his right foot, doesn't the, he? Yeah, the sounds of the right music foot. is of their is Keith and Charlie, from day yeah. one to the end. That's the way I feel. Yeah, just um, just how I feel. Stuart Copeland, 
Oh. Charlie Watts, not just a drummer, a genre. But he says here, and I think actually I've read a lot of this kind of stuff and it gets wild because some of these guys like, you know, you want to know what they think about it, mm-hmm. you know, because they're peers and For contemporaries. Sure. Stuart Copeland's actually pretty good. He says, like, you know, people say Charlie was the Stones. There'd be no Stones without him. And he's like, oh, that's going a little far. But looking at it from the other angle, you sure will notice him when he's not there anymore. Who and said that? Stuart Copeland. Yeah, he said okay. he's kind of like bassist. He's like, you take it away and it's like, whoa, something's really missing here. And that's the feel of Charlie will be missed. And if they replace him, this is me, with someone who plays that fourth hi-hat, not, it's going to drive me crazy. I, Mayer's I, guy's got the gig. I can't believe they're going to replace him. Well, Are he's you already been me? replaced by Mayer's drummer. Enough is enough. Zeppelin broke up when Bonham died in 78 or whatever. Yeah. Just call it quits. Well, I mean, we're not going to have gonna time. How are you going to do Charlie like that? We're not going to have time to talk about it on the pod, and it might actually have to be in a couple of weeks with Bleaker, because mm. this is Bleaker's theory, really. He's saying, mark my words, Ringo will step in. Kind of a Vince McMahon kind of WWE style thing. Like, imagine if Ringo stepped in. No disrespect to Ringo. You know he's my favorite drummer. Yeah. But does he have the chops? I he, was, has the, he has me. I think that he parties too hard, maybe. Well, I think that he, I don't know if he, maybe he's a perfect fit. Because they all kind of party. Yeah, but Charlie's pretty on the back burner with the party, and then he? he's kind of like Ringo might be too in exactly. They'll tempted kill him to get involved. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because Charlie only got into it in the eighties, weirdly, for about three years. He stayed out of it for the whole time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, Ringo, I want to develop Ringo's more into that kind of slow form, the four beat these days. I feel, well, you know, I know, there's a lot of upbeat tunes, man. That take. I don't know if Ringo's got the stamina now. The three hours kind of concert for that live. Also, he hasn't really done a lot of live shows like ever. Yeah, actually, yeah, since like, 1964. It's just like, yeah, when did they start? In the 70s, he definitely didn't play live a lot. I don't think. He, Lately, he's done that all star band thing, but I think he just sinks. Yeah. I don't know if we could hack it. Sorry, Bleaker, but we'll get into it. Well, well I'd like out. to develop that with Bleaker, and didn't I think Luke he's say, here next week. Yeah, yeah. Didn't Luke say that Steve Jordan's going to get the gig? Well, I think that's Mayer's guy. Oh, that is Mayer's guy? Yeah. Blues. Straight blues. He's got the blues chops, probably. Well, I got some stuff here. Um, Max Weinberg. Uh, his comments. I'm sure he loved, loved him. Yeah. Well, he says, um, when I was a kid in New Jersey you were looking for work there'd be ads for musicians in the mid 60s and 70s and they would invariably say wanted charlie watts type drummer and every beat he plays he says there's charlie watts in there someplace and he keeps going on and it makes me think for example reading this like what he did was unique with the rolling stones because while it was rock and roll it was really blues I have an opinion that the Stones have lasted because they're essentially a blues band. Wow. And blues is timeless, you see. So this is Weinberg. I wonder how his son in Slipknot feels about all of this <laughs> stuff. But um, I was listening, man, all day. <clears throat> and by the way, I just want to say, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to call out the place, but I went out with a friend in Victoria and every bar we went to was playing Stones. Yeah. And even if they weren't, we'd kind of say, put yeah, on some Stones. On. We're having a bit of a wake for Charlie, you yeah. know. And then I wound up at this one place pretty much dead. And I went up, ordered a couple beers. I'd had quite a few by that time. Yeah. 
And I just said, oh, very nicely. Do you have control of the music yeah. in here? And they were like, yeah, we do. And I was like, would you mind putting on a Rolling Stone song for us? The drummer died today. We're having a little bit of a seance kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, they kind of didn't say yes or no. And yeah. then didn't put it on. Yeah. Sat there for half an hour having the beer. Then went back, ordered another round, asked again. Yeah. And then the guy came over with a thing of waters and said, here guys, here's some water for you. As though I was like too drunk. Wow. And I'm like, you know what? If I want some fucking water, I'll order it. Yeah. Well, presumably they have an Atmos system and Giles uh, Martin hasn't remixed any of the Stones records for their system. So they presumably just have to play EDM. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean though? Like it was nice of him to bring the water, but when it's that kind of energy Why don't you tell Nev to go deal with these clowns i might i might have to yeah i might have sounds to. like it put it on put on the song there's no one in there i don't care satisfaction Anything. brown sugar verve bittersweet symphony sure Anything. like a rolling stone their version yeah i don't care I don't, a rolling stone playlist that doesn't even have the rolling stones on it yeah 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 but um anyway i we were listening to it all night and pff, the drumming is when you pay attention yeah was listening to Love and Cut, man. Well, Weinberg says Ooh. here that when Bruce presented the groove to Born in the USA to him, it reminded him of Street Fighting Man. So on that song, he's doing Charlie Watts. And we don't have the little chord right now yeah. that lets us play music at the same time. Right. But laugh my ass off, those songs don't sound anything like each other. <laughs> you turn on Street Fighting Man and it's that like eighth note. Yeah. You turn on Born in the USA and it's like this big gated reverb. So, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of cool. He's feeling himself. And I wonder if he's trying to get the gig. That's what I'm thinking. If well, Weinberg's think putting it. himself in contention. I think he could do it. You know. I do think he could. Hey, can I tell you a uh, cool story I heard about Charlie? Yeah, of course. <clears throat> I love this. You're going to love it. That one time he was in his hotel room. They were on tour. Yeah. And Mick phoned his hotel room. Mick. And, and someone else answered because there were yeah. people around him. And he said, where's my fucking drummer? Oh, it's a classic. Where, yeah. Where's my fucking drummer? Tell my drummer to get up here. You know what I mean? And Charlie got up, got suited up, got all dressed up and went up to the room. He opened the door and he punched him. And he was like, don't ever call me a fucking drummer again. You're my fucking singer. I like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I like that. Weinberg has a bit of, it gets a bit spinal tap, his eulogy. Mm. He talks about the first time he met him in a hotel room and he says, he was wearing a three-piece Savile Row suit. Yeah. Just incredibly turned out and he invites us into his hotel room so he can unpack. He had two beautiful leather suitcases on the bed and he opened them up. Everything was immaculately folded. There was a precise toiletries kit. You know, it's a kind of a cool vibe. I like the idea. I mean, I pack for tour very specifically, so I think I'm in the Watts camp there. Mm. And But during this, and this is, again, like, goes right back to McCartney. During this eulogy, he talks, Weinberg talks about, this is just a cool, this is like welcome to cool stories in rock. He talks about going to see the Stones at Shea Stadium. Yep. And he's also seen McCartney there. It's a yep. similar thing. And he says... He was invited by Charlie Watts because he had a couple of like jazz drummer friends who Charlie Watts wanted to meet. And he says, 
anyone who's been to Shea Stadium backstage knows there's about 10 guest levels, each with slightly more VIP access than the next. Right on. 10 levels of... It sounds like a... Like... A nuclear facility. Shea Stadium. Yeah. It's a big place. Like, how many... How many levels up? Like, is this an elevator? It's a baseball stadium. I guess they kind of... 10 seems like a lot, though, for sure. Like, you get, like, a backstage thing, but it only grants you access. And then the inner sanctum is where, like, McCartney would be. Brian Wilson. Right. Those kind of guys. Yeah. uh, Bob Euchre. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Or, like, maybe just, like, the baseball, like, the owner of the team. Yeah. You know, or maybe they don't grant him access. Maybe he, you but know, Weinberg got he was Weinberg taught. got into the inner sanctum. Nice. So I think he's I think he's pitching himself. I think he could handle the gig purely based on the touring volume longevity of that he's done of show. Yeah, because they do like Springsteen. He'll do four hours a night. Well, exactly. He can do it. Like, and he's got that kind of stamina. Feel. He has I've that seen feel. Weinberg with the kind of stamina. He can he can do it. Yeah, and I think that also, yeah, you know, the Stones have a big decision to make. Yeah, because they're holding strong that number two spot. Well, this is where I really get interested in this kind of stuff. They're holding strong mostly because of longevity at this point. Well, they're just hold, they're kind of holding on based on longevity because yeah. the records are really taking a nosedive. We know yeah, that. Yeah, we know that. And but they're just kind of like, live. Well, they're show. still at it. Keith's still alive. Yeah. you know, just his his being alive, his heartbeat. Yeah. Like is is kind of keeping them at number so two. So I worry what's going to happen now when Pink Floyd kind of realizes we've got a chance. We can here. drop this dark side footage, yeah, and kind of take the number two spot. Or I don't know what Zeppelin's got in the bag. Well, but they got we this know documentary got this coming documentary out. Coming out. Yeah. Also, they're like they could conceivably get Jason Bonham in and just fucking do it. Yeah. No, I mean even if he's shit. No one's going to notice. Yeah. No one cares. If it's in Atmos, they'll... I think Floyd have got a real chance of taking two. I do too. Yeah. If... if Well, they're lacking... No Richard Wright. But if <clears throat> Gilmore and Waters can patch it up, can patch, patch it those up. daddy issues up... Nick Mason... Uh, it, he never even knew what was going on. But if, he, but if he's the up songs. there and playing those big fills... Yeah, well, it's only because he doesn't know when the song's going to end. <laughs> he just, just give him those roto toms on stage. The whole imagine thing. if they redid live at Pompeii, but in Atmos. Yeah, without all that kind of volcano sounds and stuff. Like yeah, that. just clean it up. Dust scuffling around in their feet. I tell you what, they'd have to get in shape because Gilmore's looking fine. Piece of ass in that. They all look pretty. Yeah. They all look pretty good. Do you want me to go through some of the uh, some of the, the famous people comments of uh, yeah of Charlie's of Charlie passing? I'd we love can kind to of, hear. We didn't really even we get, didn't talk about Don Everly. We can either, bring up Everly quickly. I, love. I, I mean, do, I do love him. As you said, the harmonies are going to sound a little bit sweeter up in Rock and Roll Heaven now. Yeah, absolutely. Reunited with Phil, the Huge. old strips. The old strips going to be Golden nice. Nugget is it's going to be cozy. really. Really sweet that totally. to see that. Well, sh- I wish nice I could have been there that night. Listen, it's they were they were touring with Buddy Holly. Yeah, like they've not seen their. He's the he was he's been up there building rock and roll heaven. He's the first guy there. You know what's funny too is is uh, is uh, 
the Everly Brothers famously, I think, toured with the Stones during their when the Stones were coming up. Oh. And it, Keith always said he felt really bad for them because they were kind of the older guys. Yeah. And nobody cared. And they sort of bowed out very gracefully. They were like, you guys are great. We love what you're doing. And like, yeah. we get, we're not. We get it. We get this is the we next it, thing yeah. and we're not I love that kind of thing. They're you know, not like these not like guys, the stones. <laughs> like the stones, <laughs> yeah. Like it's just like you know still, She's the boss. Yeah. Or whatever they're doing. Yeah. So I mean a little bit of reorganizing going on up there in Rock and Roll Heaven. Well the drum I mean, you know I think, I think Charlie's just relaxing, honestly. Yeah. He might he might sit in a bit, take Keith Moon, you know, yeah. I'll take a set. And I'll tell you right now, I, you know, I know his body's not even cold, but anyone who talks to me about Charlie, well, well he was a jazz drummer. It's like, it's a, it's a bit weird for me to imagine yeah. someone in the greatest rock and roll band of all time uh-huh. not being full tilt fucking rock and roll. I do think it's really funny whenever I hear them say, you know, he liked rock and roll, but he, he considered himself. He's the most rock and roll guy. He's like, a rock and roll he's drummer. A rock and roll, he's in rock and roll heaven. He's a he's wicked going rock there. and roll drummer. Badass. Uh, McCartney. I knew he was ill. We saw that weird video where he's kind of on the toilet with an LA 2A t-shirt on. T-shirt was interesting. Yeah. I I, I think it was just slightly too, can't, Paul maybe should have done another take is what I thought. Yeah. He looked like he seemed like he's like, kind of been up all night. And he, yeah. And he hadn't really thought about what he was going to say. He said the same thing about, you know, maybe, maybe do one or two takes, Paul. Yeah, and it's weird. It looks like he'd screenshotted a photo of like an LA two A plugin, and then asked someone to put it on a T shirt for him. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Or maybe he's got a little sponsorship going with uh, Teletronics. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Uh, but you know, Ernest, right from McCartney. It's, he it's seems lovely. sincere. Brian Wilson beautiful same thing because he's just such a sad man anyway and he was like i'm just shocked i feel terrible for charlie's family charlie was a great drummer and i loved the stones music they made great records love and mercy wow beautiful this one's a bit this is when it starts getting demented though pete townsend kind of twisted kind of narcissist that he is charlie watts wept at keith moon's funeral I wish I was capable of such tears today. Instead, I just want to say goodbye. <laughs> just like, what the hell's that energy? That's... I wish I was capable of crying. Wow. That's that's a strange one. Yeah. There's something going on there. Um, flee. These guys getting involved for some reason. Right it's on. funny because these guys are the like new school trying to get into the classic rock pantheon. So Not they... Chad Smith, huh? Flea. Flea, yeah. Hmm. Flea said the most subtly warmth and feel of any rock drummer in history. Rest beautifully, tr- Charlie. We treasure your gifts. Ernest, but like these guys are kind of trying to get themselves in, right? Like it's kind of like Depp. You <clears throat> yeah, know? definitely. They're trying to find a way in so people as- associate. I mean, the guy who's doing that the most right now is Tom Morello. Yeah, of course. He was just enraged. Well, Flea's, but- Flea's got a lot more place in my mind than a Depp or Morello. Well, Morello said, trying to get it. Oh, no, I mean, he says, <laughs> it's really weird. Rockin', it's really strange. It's almost like he's not sure if Charlie Woods is a drummer. 
Because okay. he says, rock and roll would not be rock and roll without his rhythm, style, and vibe. One of the most important architects of the music we love. Hmm. Architects. Not <laughs> the word I'd use to describe. I don't know if he's really doing much designing of the music. Oh, he's just playing drums back there. Which but I think awesome. he's just trying to get in with this crowd. You know, no, you know who's the most trying to get in with the crowd and get in is Who? Dave Grohl. He's got to be on that list. What Grohl said? Shall he's, I look it up? He'll definitely have something. Oh, he'll yeah. have. He'll have, he'll have play. He'll be playing with the Stones. Yeah, soon. I think he could get the gig. Yeah, he might do it, dude. Yeah, if there's any band he'd go back to drumming for, it'd be the Stones. I know he did the Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, Quatza. Yeah. Um, Cheryl Crow, she took a kind of Hillary Clinton route with it, like a kind of John McCain war hero thing. A hero is gone. No words. Wow. You know, that kind of, you know, Kamala Harris putting flowers at a memorial in Vietnam for someone who got shot down. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of feel. Yeah. Um, Lenny Kravitz, similar vibe. The beat of the stones, kind of self-explanatory there are no words every groove has spoken for itself nice nice i like that one i thought that one's kind of sleazy that's good yeah, yeah. it is um he we got, said it all with yeah, his sticks yeah. no i like i mean in which case you don't really need to even say that that's what i'd say yeah yeah he said it all he left it all out there with his yeah, <laughs> yeah. perry Far- perry farrell Jane's Addiction. Yeah. Kind of some Eastern wisdom. Nice. Kind of like an Alan Watts vibe. That makes sense. He felt the need, and you know, I can understand why he would, to just kind of lament on the role of drummers historically. Okay. Drummers are the most ensnared individuals. Good word to use. Though they are loudest, they are the last to be heard. They have insecurities due to the fact that everyone has their backs turned on them. Herein lies the band's secret. There is no greatness without a great drummer. Kind of, almost a riddle. Sort of a, yeah. It's kind of an Alan Watts koan. Yeah, it's kind of a Siddhartha kind of vibe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, often when people die, I have the feeling of like, I kind of need to make it about me a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. And then London Review of Books. Interesting. Because this is a stretch for me. But you know, DM me, because, you know, this, I could be wrong. Charlie Watts was dignified in a world where dignity was never valued. I like that. Mm-hmm. Gifted musically in a way that no other stones really were. You want to uh, anything there? Yeah, uh, maybe. I could see that. I good mean, drummer. we all know I mean, Keith I Richards only drummer. ever played one chord. Open G. But isn't this kind of the technical verse? Like, is no, that kind of argument again? That is just what somebody told me one Technique. Time. Oh, yeah. No, I know. That, well, I mean, that's, cl- no, you know. I guess, G. like, yeah. T- if you're speaking technically, he is technically the greatest <laughs> musician in the band. Probably. What about Mick Jones? From The Clash? Mick Taylor. Oh, but, like, he's not really a stone anymore, is he? But maybe, like, during his time as a stone, he was better, technically. I don't know. Mick Jagger's a pretty technically good singer, I think. What about Brian Jones? Well, he was, if you're talking blues. Okay. He might have been technically the best at blues. Well, everyone knows Charlie Watts is a jazz musician, anyway. Well, yeah, he was the best at jazz, probably, of the band. Let's say that. Okay. You know, I was listening to Beast of Burden. 
I like thinking, that song. Sounds great. Ron, Ron and Keith left and right. Yeah. Wicked two guitar attack. Oh, yeah. I was listening. Ron sounds awesome on it. Yeah. Great painter, you know. Is he? Yeah. Manic depressed. Great painter. He just slid right in and fit right in. I well, I, lo- I mean, he's like, that's what I worry about with Ringo. But he, they're not in their 40s or 30s or anything. It's like I, they Ron probably just don't got, really Ron just party. was a party friend, wasn't he? Yeah, really? they probably don't really party much anymore. Who knows? I've got a nice story for you to end this. It's mm-hmm. from our friend Cam Rutherford, a, a patron and, you know, eyewall aficionado. For sure. Got a lovely Charlie Watts story. Um, sometimes, and I don't think he'll mind me reading this. He says, he's a, he's a chef. And he lives, he lives in, he sent us photos of like Nielsen's house in Mayfair. That's right. Yeah. He says, so I'm a chef and sometimes I work in posh homes cooking for people. And one of my main clients has a driver. I won't say the driver's name, but he's an old boy, proper South London, like with a heart of gold, lovely man. Sometimes we chat and it turns out that this guy was Charlie's driver back in the 90s and early 2000s. He said, Charlie and his wife are absolutely lovely, humble people. Quite often they would socialize together, etc. And every Christmas they sort of played out this routine that I guess originally happened for real. And then it became kind of like a pageantry thing. So Brian would be taking them up to the airport for their holiday. And Charlie would say he was feeling quite peckish and could they stop for something to eat. And Brian would take them to this old school fish and chip shop, fish and chips. And as they went in, Charlie would always say, blimey, Brian. I forgot my wallet. And Brian would reply, it's all right, Charlie, no worries. I'll get this one. And they would sit and have this lovely like fish supper together with cups of tea. Brian would pay the bill and then they'd get back in the car and head to Heathrow. And once they got back in, Charlie would reach into his, you know, nice luggage or whatever and pull out a brown envelope to Brian and say, Merry Christmas, mate. You're one in a million. And Brian said it was always a crisp five grand in 50s. Anyway, they played that out for years, apparently. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, isn't that a nice really, story? Really, really nice. So rest in peace, rest in power to a real one. Oh, yeah. You know? One of and the greats. There's not many, uh, not many bigger. No. This is a big one, man. It makes me think about when, when the windfall starts happening, Mick, Keith, Paul, Neil, Bob, you know, it's going to hurt, man. Yeah. This, but this is the first in a little while well we had the stars are very different tonight i've not seen many of those kind of things can you hear don me knocking and you know r.i.p to dawn to love the everlies yeah all right take peace. it easy peace and love <laughs>